the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition, an abbreviated edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. I'm Joe Greenwich. He's John Sager. John, we set up the bat signal. This isn't quite an emergency pod. We were going to wait until later in the week so we could talk about the Eagles game that is going to be played. uh, Hopefully this will go out on Monday, so it'll be played tonight. But we just couldn't wait any longer. So we're going to put that off. We're going to talk about the Eagles-Cowboys game and the Eagles-Chiefs game next week. We could not not talk about Ben Simmons and about the Phillies with one week left in the baseball season with, with such heavy topics on our minds. What is it that you're drinking tonight? Well, inspired by the last Phillies home game, Yingling Premium Lager. <laughs> it's been you a while John since Croc I've heard both? someone talk about it. <laughs> you and John Crock both, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, odds <laughs> are he might be enjoying one right now. Um, hey, well, hey, Joe, what are you drinking? Um, I, I wish I had something better to say. I've been having some hydration related issues lately, so I'm just drinking water. But I've got a full one liter bottle here that I'm, I'm hoping to get through during this recording. Normally, I'd ask how you're doing, but no offense. I don't really care. Let's just get into it. What is wrong with Ben Simmons? Well, no offense taken. You mentioned this was an emergency pod. I think this is an emergency pod that we saw coming months ago. <laughs> Can you so schedule is, an emergency? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think this is more of a, a crisis pod. Um, I, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Um, I'm, a, I'm very just angry and disgusted right now because we have this this guy who... It's the it's the weirdest situation I've ever seen up close. And I don't know if there's ever a comparable situation. It's just that I've lived it as as a Sixers fan to where you've got this otherworldly talent, a generational talent who is not a generational player because he won't do the one thing that every basketball player likes to do, which is shoot, Uh, which is especially problematic when we're talking about a point guard. And, you know, we've relived, rehashed, had multiple Yingling premium bloggers to console ourselves after the infamous pass dunk choke play from the playoffs. But I, I, I kind of thought, you know, obviously we had hoped that if the Sixers were going to, you know, be able to improve their roster by making a trade for a significant piece. Didn't happen. They didn't get, you know, a a comparable talent or, you know, maybe even something that that would just fit into the puzzle. Otherwise, I'm sure Ben Simmons would be gone. But you kind of hoped that, you know, between the London travels, the Instagram videos with guys who are slightly better at basketball than I am, uh, and, you know, doing workouts in his new California mansion that, you know, Ben Simmons would have had a self, some kind of self-check, maybe gone on a retreat, kind of rebooted the, you know, the, the confidence. And 
you know, he, he couldn't be more rock bottom right now in his status because of how much he choked in the playoffs. And I don't throw that word around often, but he, he totally did. And the only way to rebound from that is to rededicate yourself, commit yourself to being the best teammate possible. And what does he do? He says he doesn't want to come to training camp. And then his teammates try to go out there and he says, no, thanks. I'm good. So I, I'm angry. It just, you know, this is a guy who's got a world of talent and doesn't seem to care. You know, I realize, you know, maybe he doesn't have the Michael Jordan drive. <laughs> but if he just had half of that, you know, everything would be okay. Yeah, I wonder if Ben Simmons even likes basketball. You know, when you're born and you grow to be six foot ten, you kind of you kind of end up just doing it. I wonder if he even likes basketball at all. I don't think so. And, you know, he doesn't think, play like a guy who enjoys basketball. And we see this, you know, throughout sports. Uh, you know, you get guys who dominate in college and, and high school and, you know, at whatever sport it is. And... You know, something fizzles out to where they're just given this talent. They play this game because they like it. And then it just, they just don't love it. And, you know, honestly, that's fine. But at some point in the Ben Simmons case specifically, be professional about it. You've been given the max contract. So don't you want to give some kind of, I guess you can't do some kind of max effort but some kind of effort to justify the max contract. I, I think Ben Simmons has been given too much, and I don't know that he's earned anything in his career ever. Now, you could say he earned the max contract. Well, everybody gets max contracts these days. I have no problem with him being a max contract player, but really, what has he earned? Has he ever won anything at any level? Certainly not his one year in college. And he hasn't done his part. He Even before this year, he has had a really bad time in the playoffs with the Sixers. There was an infamous one-point game against the Celtics. Uh, I, 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 the, the thing is, it, it, you, you talk about the, 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 you know, the, the, the Wimbledon thing and the, the, the telling his teammates not to come out. See, I, the, the whole thing with, with telling the guys not to come out and visit, that might have just been a – you know, don't waste your time. I'm not changing my mind. This is how it's going to be. And, and I can respect that. That's, you know, that's fine. And and I maintain that Ben Simmons should have been nowhere near a basketball court for a significant stretch of time after the playoffs. And, and you know, people will disagree with that take. But I think the logic behind me saying that has been proven to be 100% inarguably correct. Everything that's wrong with Ben Simmons is in that four-inch area between his ears, all right? And what it has led to is a case of the yips. He is soft as margarine that's been left out of the fridge for about a day and a half. There's no other way to put it. He's a guy who, you know, we've said before, maybe he hasn't won anything, but he's also never really struggled in his career until... He he's found this situation where he struggles to shoot and he can't hit free throws. So now he doesn't want to shoot, right? This is the first adversity he's ever faced. And instead of facing it head on and getting better 
or just plowing through it and saying, yeah, it's a flaw in my game. But it's not going to stop me. He completely turtled up and he thinks or again, as I have blamed before, Rich Paul has told him that the only way to fix it is to go somewhere else. And so now he has folded his arms, sitting in a huff. He's locked the door to his bedroom and he said, Mom, Dad, I hate you. I'm never coming out. I don't want to be a part of this family anymore. Okay, well, you know what, Ben? Go ahead. Go find a place where they'll put up with your garbage, okay? Because obviously the market for Ben Simmons is not as robust as it should be for a player with his abilities because teams don't want to give up anything of real value to deal with this. All right, Ben, you need a new agent. I'm sorry. I know Rich Paul is the most powerful man in the NBA, but he's not he's not helping you here. Just like getting Tyrese Maxey to, to cancel events or whatever. He's not. Yeah, working. he's he's getting sued by Nerland's Noel. OK, side note, we're talking about Rich Paul. Do you know who Rich Paul's girlfriend is? Adele, I think. Right. I was stunned by this. Yeah, I had not- always liked Adele until I saw that. And now she can never perform in Philadelphia again. Well, uh, I, honestly, uh, uh, on a side note, I, I don't know if she ever will. She she doesn't really like to tour, so <laughs> that might not really be an issue. But we digress. I just feel like here's a guy who is getting bad advice and who is must be super susceptible to that. And he's just he's just pouting and. Fine. Well, I'm I'm, I'm just going to leave. Do you think it's going to be any better? Maybe it's better. Go ahead out to like Indiana. Like no one's going to care out there. Those people will, but no one else in the country will care. You you talked about, you know, the the first time you've seen a situation like this. I I think this is unique in Philadelphia, but it reminds me of of the Anthony Davis thing. We knew for two years that he was going to try to engineer a trade out of New Orleans and he was LeBron's buddy. So we knew that he was going to eventually end up there. It would not surprise me to see Ben Simmons end up on the Lakers within two years where a guy who can pass the ball and just run and not have to play offense will do just fine. That's more shots for LeBron and Anthony Davis and whoever else they bring in there by then. I can't and, disagree and it more. Sucks. And it, it sucks. Oh, really? Yeah. It, where, where do you what, what, what do you disagree with? Anthony Davis is a great player. Is the situation not the same? I, I did not compare the players. No, 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 no. I compared no, no, no. the but, situation. No, but here, but here's the difference. There are, are many teams, if not just about every team in the NBA, that would love to have Anthony Davis on the roster. Yeah, and there are 29 NBA teams that would love Ben Simmons on the roster. They're just not willing to pay what the Sixers are willing to take in return. I, I don't think that many teams really want him on the roster right now. Otherwise, I think someone would have pulled the trigger on the deal. And I understand what you're saying, you know, with the pay. But, you know, if you're... Ben Simmons isn't going to be the piece at this point that puts a contending team over the top. Probably the only type of market that makes sense for him is for a team that, not unlike the Sixers were before they, you know, began the the tanking part of the process... You know, to to a team that can't quite get the, you know, the top five pick and you just need some kind of star to build some semblance of a team around. I think that's the only team that's going to get him at this point. Absolutely not. You just kind of counteracted everything you said. 
All he is at this point is a complimentary piece that can help a contender. If He's a role player. The way he played in the playoffs, the, the way he refuses to not even expand his skill set, but use his skill set properly makes him a role player, right? The guy who would not shoot a dunk from a foot and a half away, that's that's a that's a three and D guy without the three. What does that make him? It makes him a defensive guy. It makes him a, a secondary point guard. The only team a guy like that can help is a team that's right there. It's like when you talk about a football team, like, you know, they have a decent defense and you've got some offensive parts and you're like, you know, they're a quarterback away from going to the Super Bowl. Let's go get Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> ben Simmons could be a great secondary point guard or fourth best player on a contending team. He is not a guy to build around at all anymore. He has to show that wherever he goes, that Ben Simmons 2.0 is not Ben Simmons now.0. You know what I mean? I, I, I could not disagree with you more on that. No. Uh, all right. We're, we're kind of going. I, I, you know, we were trying to do a short, yeah, I know, episode. right? <laughs> We've torpedoed that already. The conversation between John and I was literally, all right, we can try to keep this short, get it turned around. And then I think both of us knew, well, that's not happening. <laughs> no, I, I, I like, honestly, I, I, and they don't have the pieces to, to make the deal. That's ultimately, I think this is going to be a three team deal, but, you know, we don't have to go down that road quite yet. Uh, where I see, like, it, it seemed like Minnesota or whatever, where they just need something to put butts in seats. You mean like they need a general manager or team president? Give, right. <laughs> that, that would also help. Um, but you, you kind of need uh, – he could – I could see him eventually going to to a title team. The Los Angeles his- Lakers market, 2023. Some point during that year, he will be in Laker purple and gold. But somewhere in between, I think he's got to go to this mediocre, uh, subpar – team where he could rebuild his game and then you know wind up going to that level what what would you consider the nba hinterlands is it sacramento memphis that's kind of up and coming again it's (laughs) tough because when you look at sacramento i think that's just straight hell right now i don't see anyone getting out of that anytime soon and then you kind of have that next tier where it's more purgatory to where it's this is kind of nice uh, you know, maybe, you know, if they, they pair their, their one guy with, you know, two or three other guys, which is probably isn't going to happen. See, that's what I think of Portland yeah. as. That's what I think of Portland yeah, and, as. And while I want Damian Lillard or, or Bradley Beal or Bust, I don't want Ben to go to a place where he might like it. He, he's used up that goodwill. I would ship him to whatever constitutes the NBA hinterlands. I would have said Phoenix up until they you know, made the NBA finals. <laughs> but uh, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm being incredibly petty and, and like, I fully admit that Detroit go to Detroit. I the Houston Texans here. because I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. You know, could stick Ben out at tight end. You know, <laughs> he doesn't have to shoot. You could definitely use him at quarterback. All he does is pass. Well, we should probably pass on this part of the conversation <laughs> and just go right into the Sixers. What's wrong with them right now? I think what's wrong with them is that they don't have any leverage in the situation because everybody knows he wants out, although they have all of the leverage because he's under contract for what four more years and like a hundred and forty something million dollars, but still have to somehow pay him the it's, NBA salary cap. They're, just, they're in a terrible spot. And then Doc Rivers made some comments that 
I, I think some people are misinterpreting. I, I think uh, anyone who actually like uses their brain and, and thinks about what Doc said would would understand what he's saying. He's doing uh, damage control, nothing more, nothing and, less. And then may or may not have caused more damage. But I, I, I think Daryl Morey knows that the writing is on the wall and th- there's really no other outcome to this other than Ben Simmons not being with the Sixers. So this is one of those things where you kind of just, you need to let it simmer down and let somebody realize, all right, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll throw in this extra pick or, or this extra guy. Let's just get, get him in here. And and you might be looking at a James Harden type situation. I can't wait to see Ben Simmons come back to a training camp to avoid getting fined. And he's added like 60 pounds. That would be hilarious. I mean, podcast content, you know. <laughs> How many strawberries and cream was he having out there in Wimbledon? <laughs> I just, I, I feel like the Sixers are in a tough spot. And they, they, they've they been burned because they committed themselves to, to, to Ben Simmons and to fixing him. And it's not working out. And now they have to cut ties. But they've got entirely too much invested in the relationship. And nobody's going to win, right? Simmons' legacy, Simmons' reputation in the league is is tarnished. He 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 needs to be built back up. The Sixers are not going to get true value for him. I, I do not envy Daryl Morey, but if there's anybody who can get it done, it's either him or maybe Masai Ujiri. So maybe those two can get together and, and, and work it out, but. I feel like they have the right guy in place to get get whatever is going to get done done. I just don't know what the path forward is. Now, I, I meant to say reputation. I, I said legacy before, but but that raises a good question. What is the legacy of the Ben Simmons era? To me, all it is now is just fuel for the haters who are going to indict the process and say the whole thing was a failure and stupid because <sighs> look what happened, even though the other guy that was born of the process, finished second in the MVP. I, I think that's basically the big thing that will come out of this in the end. No. I, all right. We're going to go down this road yet again. Obviously, there's no road to go down. No, I'm not asking you if you thought Ben's, the process was no, a good idea. Ben Simmons I'm saying was that, the process. I did say that. I did say that. So the legacy of the process is going to be failure. Like, yeah, Joel Embiid is one of my favorite athletes, you know, ever. Talk about and, a guy who enjoys basketball. Yeah. Uh, and he's a guy who I, I think one thing that's that separates the two of them is, you know, granted they have much different backgrounds, but, you know, they both came to the U.S., you know, from an international background. So, you know, they have that in common. But Joel Embiid had, you know, the game kind of taken away from him a couple of times. And he kind of play, every time he steps on the court, you know, in the back of everyone's head is, is this going to be the last time? So he plays every game, literally, like it could be his last game. Ben Simmons has never had it taken away from him. He's had everything well, handed true. to him. He had his rookie season, his first rookie season, Donovan Mitchell, taken away from him. But it didn't seem to affect him at all. But here's the thing. It, the season wasn't... And this kind of leads down to the also, you know... The, I don't want to say this this was a harbinger, but you know it might look like it now to where he had a chance to come back towards the end of the season and he deferred because he wanted to win rookie of the year 
So, you know, it's it's it kind of fits into that same kind of thing where it's it's just all about him. And, you know, he, he opted out of that season. It wasn't really taken away from him. Granted, he had the injury, and I, I understand that part of it. But ultimately, he opted out. He he passed, shall we say. <laughs> you will always look for a way to, to work that uh, that joke into it. I, I just feel like it's really difficult to begrudge the Sixers for following through with what they did in those days because – that is the way that teams break out of mediocrity is they bottom out and then they get back to the top. And that has worked. They've been one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference with the exception of the the bubble season ever since Embiid and Simmons stepped on the floor. They made the conference semifinals. They were a game away from the conference finals as an eight seed because Derrick Rose tore his ACL in game one of the playoffs. All right, you can't win a title as a perennial 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. So the only way to win is to be elite. And the way to be elite, if you're not a team like the Lakers where guys just want to go there, is to be terrible. It's just that they did it in a way that was blatantly intentional and much longer of, of a time period than other teams did. It worked for the Houston Astros, theoretically. We We... Assume they would have if they hadn't done the whole trash can thing, probably won something anyway. But the, 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 the only thing that really is holding it back right now is the fact that, well, it turns out that that incredibly skilled unicorn player doesn't have the heart to be a top level professional athlete. And I hate hearing those words come out of my mouth because I hate hearing people talk about He's got no guts. He's got no heart. He, he, he's not tough enough to play in this town. And then here we have Ben Simmons, who doesn't have the guts. He doesn't have the courage and clearly is not tough enough to play in this town. And that's the worst thing for me, because it gives those people. We talked about it last week. You made a video clip out of me talking about the guy who makes a dumb play, gets lucky and treats that as his ethos going forward for how to play the game of poker. That guy hated Ben Simmons, hated the process, and feels like he's right for hating the process because Ben Simmons is, as I said, soft as margarine that's been out of the fridge for the day. That's the thing that bugs me the most. So let me ask you, and I know we're already projecting ahead to to him going, we've seen this happen before, sort of, where there's you know bad blood between a team and a player moves on. You know, sometimes, you know, a star player moves on because it's time and they're welcomed back. Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, like that was as much as someone could love an opposing player. Right, you know? right. And then you have the opposite situation to where, you know, and every situation is nuanced and complicated and, you know, very sports talk radio friendly. But this one, I, I think, is much more one-sided. Like, if you, you know, you look back the last 30-ish years, you have Charles Barkley. Clearly, he just wanted to be on a contender. It wasn't personal mm-hmm. with the town. Eric Lindros, very complicated. Um, but, you know, he was... That a, was personal with the team. That that was the, the team, and... But, but here's that a good parallel. Here's a parallel. Carl Lindros was involved. Carl Lindros is the Rich Paul of, of that right. situation. And the fact that you know his name, 
Exactly. Still. I should not know the name of, of fathers of hockey players. And yet, there we are. You know, we had Andrew Bynum. I, I, hate, to, I, I hate to say Did we have that, Andrew Bynum? <laughs> well, certain bowling alleys that, in town did. <laughs> that trade, honestly, is what necessitated the process. It and worked then, out for Iggy. I'm, I'm glad it worked out for Andre Godala. Worked out some, really well for Andre Godala. Somebody had to, you know, eventually win out of that. And then, you know, Jason Worth kind of, sort of. I always thought that was a stupid feud where, you yeah. know, people got. The I best part people, of that is as soon as that contract expired and he was out of the game and came back, it was like he never left. <laughs> well, exactly. People were just hurt that he signed with a division rival. Right. And then said nice things about the team that he just got paid for. Yeah. And I th- <laughs> who won in that deal? Definitely Jason Worth. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, no, the Nationals won, too. They won a couple of divisions. That's true. They, that they didn't true. win a playoff series until he and Bryce Harper both left town. But I, 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 if I'm a Nationals fan or I'm a member of the Nationals organization, especially looking at, you know, contracts now, only a couple years later, happily spend that money again. Absolutely. I think I think Jason Worth and the Nationals both made out just fine. So the only situation that I could think of that's somewhat it's not the exact same situation, but it was definitely divisive was T.O. And when he came back with the Cowboys, that first game, I remember that vividly. That was a hot ticket. When Ben Simmons comes back, that's going to be a hot ticket. Uh, when he misses his first couple of free throws and everybody gets some free frosties, that's <laughs> probably going to be... You know, if Wendy's is smart, yeah, they're going to either end that contract <laughs> before that game or they're just going to lean all the way into it. I, I think you, you have to lean all the way into it. They're going to have to have frosty machines at the arena, like giving out frosties on the spot. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they do that promotion with the hope that nobody actually shows up the next day for the frosty. <laughs> John, but, have you ever gotten a uh, freeze out frosty? I don't think I have. I haven't either. You know what? We will def and we'll do it together. If Ben Simmons gives us a, a freeze out frosty, we're going to go claim that frosty. Live pod from the, the nearest Wendy's the day after uh, <laughs> the day after Ben Simmons bricks a couple of free throws. No, that guy's going to go 10 out of 11 to win a game. You know it. I mean, I'm thinking he's going to sit out or conveniently, <laughs> you know, be hurt for a game. You know, I'm assuming he's going to the West Western Conference. So. Or, or he's just going to literally not shoot at all. Just prove a point. He's going to have 35 assists. Um, you mentioned Terrell Owens, and I, I talked about Carl Lindros, Drew Rosenhaus in the Rich Paul role. I feel like th- that's a pretty good parallel. Yeah, it's it's the guy, it, it's the non-sport part of the guy. Like for To, he felt like I'm the greatest of all time. I should be treated like it. I'm the show. Ben Simmons, I I I don't think he thinks he's an all-time basketball legend. But something about him personally is what is leading to this. Not his, well, it is his basketball, but it's something about him is affecting his basketball to the point we're in this situation. So while, while I, I think that there, there, there are certainly differences, I definitely do see the kind of parallel you're making. I don't see Ben Simmons doing sit-ups in his driveway or get going into tears about, you know, that's, that, that's my shooting guard. <laughs> but I, 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 do, I, I do see what, what you're saying there. The only caveat to that is I think at the time there were enough fans that thought the Eagles should just pay T.O. and 
be done with it. And I think there's still a lot of fans that think the Eagles should have just paid T.O. And, and moved on. I understand why they didn't. We don't have to rehash, you know, that that old lightning rod debate. But, you know, I think at this point, we're at the point, like, nobody really wants Ben Simmons here. Yeah. Specifically. And it's a shame ben because, Simmons. yeah, <laughs> well, it's a very popular, you know, GIF meme clip on the Internet. Tyra Banks from America's Next Top Model. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Ben, we were all rooting for you. And th- this is what happens. And since I just brought up Tyra Banks on a sports podcast in 2021, John, I think we need to take a break. <laughs> so so let's let's uh, let's go uh, replenish our beverages. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk real quick about the Phillies. One week left in the season. They're in the hunt. Huge series coming up. We'll talk about that. Plus some other idiot baseball stuff that I have to get off my chest. But all in due time. This is the Philly Frenetics Podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're back here on the Philly Frenetics Podcast. John, it's the last week of September. By the end of the week, it'll be October, and the Phillies are still relevant. Can you believe it? Actually, no, I, I can't, because <laughs> I, I thought they would have been buried a long time ago, but the Braves have, you know. I, it turns the out race. the Braves aren't all that good either. <laughs> the Phillies are 81 and 75, which is not all that impressive, unless you consider like the last you know 10 years. But They need one win this week to clinch a winning record for the first time since 2011. Now, if there's any team in baseball or any team in Philly that that could rip off six, I guess it would be seven straight losses to end the year at 500 on the nose. It's absolutely this one. So, you know, we're not there yet, but all signs indicate we're going to have a season of winning baseball in Philadelphia. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but as a fan... I think your expectations and your hopes should be framed by, you know, perspective and especially like recent achievement. Playing important baseball, baseball that matters in the last week of September and the first week of October after the last 10 years is really all I can ask for. Now, in 2010, do I want to be in a, a pennant race? The last, no, I want to be getting ready for the playoffs. But here in 2021, the fact that they, they, they control their own destiny to some extent. You know, if they go down to Atlanta and they sweep the Braves, they will be in first place. And then if they sweep Miami, all they need is for the Braves to drop one game to the Mets or to Colorado in what would be the most anticipated single baseball game to not involve the Phillies in Philadelphia, anticipated in Philadelphia, I should say, in a long, long time. But now, of course, sweeping the the the, the Marlins is not talk talk about expectations and, and tempering them. Uh, <laughs> the Phillies need to be in a situation where they only need to win one in Miami. That's not going to happen now. But they just they just can't figure out the Marlins. But I'm sorry, we're playing relevant baseball here in September, and that's really all I could have asked for. I think all I could have realistically asked for 
with this team is just to see some kind of improvement and even beyond their record. And I think we've seen more improvement in the last month and a half to two months than we have in a few years. And I would you say that improvement has come since the trade and deadline? You know, uh, the point where you buried the season. I I would, I would think somewhere I, I, there. I would I would I would what? Yeah. Okay. All right. You thought I wasn't going to bring that up, huh? Well, I'm going to be bringing that up for months. By the way. <laughs> well, you know, I, we'll see. We'll see. We have other, we have more time to to discuss this. John's always caveat. I hope I'm wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> um, most of that improvement came with changes that have been made in the organization, specifically with the pitching staff. Vince Velasquez isn't here anymore, and defensively, but still we, doing his part to try to help the Phillies. He yeah. had an RBI the other night. Uh, yeah. His hitting highlights are not what I was hoping to watch this morning. <laughs> By the way, the Padres this weekend. So they hang on to win the resumption of the game from earlier in the season. Fernando Tatis hit a home run around the same time that Didi Gregorius hit one to put the Phillies ahead against the Pirates, right? So in a quirk of baseball, Tatis hit his 30th home run after his 40th because of the way that the stats are applied to the original date of the game. But the Padres just doing everything in their power to get themselves eliminated. And they did, you know, we're recording on Sunday today, bases loaded, a chance to win the game in the ninth, nothing last night. They were a strike away from beating the Braves blew it in extra innings, just absolute awful performance by the Padres. And I'm thinking that that Vince Velasquez may have gone in there and uh, said he wanted to get back at the Phillies and, and he gave us false hope. So he he ultimately may may be the winner in the end here. I'd say that's just he's just been been consistent with <laughs> the last the last Vinny few years. Gonna be Vinny, yeah, that's fine. There are reasons to look forward to the future. We'll talk about them in a future podcast. It's mostly because you can't look back at the future, John. There's a deep thought for you. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening. Please subscribe. No. Um, We'll talk about that when we look back at the season, which is what you do <laughs> after the season's over. However, you know, when I look ahead to this week, I have some feeling like they're going to take two out of three or all three games in Atlanta. And then ultimately Miami is just going to Miami, the Phillies. I just have this gut feeling that once I finally get to the point where, you know, I just get on the bandwagon, like both feet kind of go on. I feel like that's when I'm just going to, you know, face plant onto the asphalt on a highway and my soul's going to be run over by a tractor trailer yet again. I just (laughs) feel like that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Freddie Freeman could be driving that. (laughs) Well, John, hope is the most dangerous thing of all. What do I expect? I, I do expect them to win two out of three in Atlanta just because they've actually played well against the Braves this year. Now, Winning two out of three in Atlanta puts them a game and a half back with three to play. I think they'll win two out of three in Miami. But the Braves get to play the Mets, and then they'll have that extra game in hand against the Rockies. I think ultimately the Phillies end up 84-85 wins. They end up a game or two short. They, they gave away too many opportunities. That series against the Rockies, uh, I'm not mad taking three out of four from the Pirates. You would obviously have liked to get the sweep and losing the last game of the series. Hurts, and you could point to the fact that they trailed by, you know, somewhat large deficits, somewhat late 
in the first two games of the series. But I I think they went out and and yeah, they 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 lost the first game against the Orioles, but they went out and did what they had to do. Two out of three from the Orioles, three out of four from the Pirates. It's really difficult to sweep a team. And so it's really difficult to expect a sweep. So I'm fine with what they did over the last week. They did what they kind of had to do. Padres blew some games. Maybe maybe they win those games. Things are different. But ultimately, I think the Phillies come up a little short. I think Bryce Harper wins the MVP. But I think the most valuable player of the last, I guess, half of the season for the Phillies, we got to talk about Ranger Suarez real quick. That performance yesterday was one of the most clutch performances that I've seen in recent years in Philly sports. Here's a guy who was, he, he wasn't playing last year because of COVID. He comes in this year. He was closing for the first time. And here's a guy who was a long reliever slash fifth starter, back and forth kind of guy prior to this. He was closing for a team that had playoff aspirations that spent some time in first place this year. And then they move him from closer to the starting rotation. And what does he do? He's got an ERA of about a buck and a half. Like, I, I don't want to get too excited about it because is this the aberration? You know, is he is he not quite as good? Is this portion of this season his 16 strikeout Vince Velasquez game? I hope not. But man, Zach Wheeler, if you get Zach Eflin back, if Aaron Nola figures it out, and Ranger Swart, you have the 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 makings of a really good rotation moving forward. And I feel like we say that every year, but man, something about the way he threw yesterday, the way he's thrown this entire second half feels different and feels really good to see. Ultimately, I don't know if he's going to be, he's not going to be as good as he has been next year for the entire season. That's just too much of, too much of stretching of a, a small sample right. size. But And, and people I, will figure him out. Right. So, but I think ultimately what you might have is a, a number three or four starter. Who's Jeez, going to go he's the number two starter right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on a very good team, he is yeah. the uh, a number three or four starter. So right. what you would be coming back with is Zach Wheeler as a number one. Nola, I would expect him to, to bounce back a little bit and return to form. I, yeah. I don't know if he'll be ever quite Cy Young Nola again. But, you know, maybe he could just settle in and just be a guy that keeps you in games and is a little bit more consistent. This is probably his Cole Hamels 2009 season to where sometimes you just need the season to end. Yeah. And then you could just come back the next year and it's just a whole different thing. But I, he's I, learned the lesson from Cole Hamels not to say that out loud. Yeah, I <laughs> hope somebody should be whispering that in his ear. So you have him. Uh, we'll see what happens with Zach Eflin. He'll probably not start the season with the team. They'll probably still have to go out and sign a guy. The teams always need more pitching anyways, but they'll probably still have to go out and get a guy. And then well, you'll I have... think that might be a good opportunity to bring up Spencer. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, speaking of, of that, you'll then have Kyle Gibson, who... True. Probably This is his career year. Mm-hmm. He won't be this guy next year, most likely. I hope he is. But I think he'll probably also be a number four type guy. That's who he is. It's three, four, a three at best, you know, but he'll go out and, you know, give you some innings. Yeah. And then, you which know, has been a huge problem for this team. Right. And then you'll have Ranger Suarez. So you won't have the Vince Velasquez every fifth day and then another Vince Velasquez type guy every fifth day. So honestly, that alone is huge to where you have five guys, maybe 
you know, another maybe can have Hans Kraus next year to where he's the guy that you bring up from AAA and, you know, up and down, you know. So all of a sudden now you might have five or six guys that can keep your team in most games, which is something they really haven't had. You mentioned Hans Kraus. It was the last thing I wanted to bring up. Made his debut this afternoon, immediately baptized by Cole Tucker, but three innings of, of, of one run ball, can't be mad at it. He kept him in the game. He, he, he did his job on a bullpen day. I know a lot of fans were excited to see him. I assume he will be a guy who's in spring training competing for a spot on this club. I agree. I don't know if you were watching, you know, early on, because I don't think a lot of people had even sat down in their seats. But when he did that, Mike Schmidt was actually laughing a little bit and had to apologize <laughs> for it because it's just one of those things. I've seen that happen often where a it's guy It's the baseball just... version of that famous thing where they nurse a seal back to health and then they release it into the wild and it immediately gets eaten by a whale. I mean, like, that's, that's a little exactly extreme. what it is, but that's exactly what it is. Everyone's like <laughs> yeah. really excited. All right. Hans Kraus is going to start the wind up the pitch. Oh, that one's gone. <laughs> there can and be that, nothing more demoralizing as a pitcher than, you know, warming up, getting ready. All right. You come into the game, you throw one pitch and immediately it goes 430 feet. But to his credit though, he actually, yeah. you know, the first inning was a battle, but he was yeah. able to, limit the damage and he got through three innings and if you went into the game saying you're going to get three innings and one run out of Hans Krauss you would say great take it Phil's, let's go Phil's are probably going to win this game yeah. and then and, of course the bats uh, went dormant no, not so much <laughs> alright I, I said that was the last Phillies thing we're going to talk more about the Phillies hopefully get ready for the playoffs next week but if not we'll we'll we'll, we'll do the post-mortem thing maybe we'll give it some time so it's not quite as emotional as maybe it was at the end of last year, but we will talk about the Phillies again. John, I have one more baseball thing, and as a baseball guy, I know that you're going to have feelings about this. Obviously, you saw the whole contretemps between the Blue Jays and the Rays. For those of you who don't know, Kevin Kiermaier of the Rays slid into home plate and picked up a card out of the dirt. Apparently, he may have thought it was his. They use these cards to tell them their outfield position for each batter. It turns out it was Alejandro Kirk, the Blue Jays catcher, who had dropped the card. And it basically had the scouting report and 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 the way they're going to attack Tampa's hitters. Kiermaier says he didn't look at it. When he, re- when he did look at it and realized that it wasn't his, he gave it to a member of the Rays staff. The Rays never gave it back to the Blue Jays. Oh my God, what's going on? Are they cheating? Is this like the Astros? Is this like something else? Oh my God, whatever. It, it, was, it was one thing for one night. And then the next day, the Blue Jays hit Kiermaier. I think the Toronto Blue Jays should be disqualified from the rest of the season. This is the dumbest thing. I hate these data cards. I hate that everyone uses them. I, 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 I am not, you know, an anti-analytics guy. I'm not an anti, you know, advancements in the game and all. But you can just move outfielders around without them having to look at a card. Okay, John, I was at a college softball game this afternoon to see a friend. And every time the team changed pitchers, they came out and gave out new wristbands to the entire infield. What are we doing? What are we doing where we can't just shift people like point and, and like yell where everyone has to have a card that they pull out of their pocket for every batter that everyone has to consult a chart to know what pitch is coming. What what is going on? First of all, second of all, how many games should everyone in the Blue Jays organization be suspended in your mind? Because to me. Screw them all. That is so stupid. Finders keepers 
losers apparently drill other players in the middle <laughs> of the back because they they made the mistake. I I'm I'm trying to think of an analogy, but I get too angry. And you can tell that I'm super angry because it's something I shouldn't even care about at all. But honestly, I feel like we should because it's inevitable that something like it was something like that's going to happen. And Bryce Harper honest- dropped his card during an at bat. He picked it up a pitch later, but a few days later, this whole thing happens with the Rays and Jays. But I, I, honestly, it, it's just stupid. It's not like you know they sent a clubby in to steal a card or, or, or something right. like that. He dropped the card. He picked it up. I'm sure if you know the guy realized that he would have just handed it to him right there, but he didn't. What is he supposed to do? Hand it to the umpire in a briefcase that was you know it's authenticated by a notary and it's delivered <laughs> under special escort to the dugout. No, this is this is like sign stealing legit, not, you know, the Houston Astros. But this is, you know, don't get lazy. Don't drop your card. You know, maybe just memorize the scouting report. And I I think you're not going to drop your brain. Kevin Kiermaier can't pick up your knowledge. This is just the Bill Belichick effect. You know, (laughs) it's just gone throughout, you know, the sporting world where people are just so paranoid and I've seen it and I've dealt with it in person. I know that there are coaches out there that are worried about cameras, you know, looking at their whatever play they're drawing up and that the other team's going to pick it up. And it's just a level of paranoia that it's like, you know, at some point, just focus on the, the task at hand. It's. It's gone overboard, and I think at some point it's removed the thinking from the game to where, you know, we'll talk about how like guys are not smart base runners or, yeah you know, players aren't doing that. It's because they're not being developed as thinkers. They're just being told what to do by whatever has been churned out of the computer. And I think ultimately that's bad for sports to where you're getting this. And it's not just pro sports, as you mentioned. It's, it's just almost every level and real quick i did want to mention one story that goes way back before the out of handness of this but i feel like this kind of goes into exactly what we were talking about back in the day when mike leach was an assistant coach i believe he was the offensive coordinator uh, for oklahoma state he developed a fake play card with the coach's name on it with terminology that's Know, co- completely for the first like 15 plays whatever the the script of plays are mm-hmm. and he had someone drop it or lose it on the texas sideline and texas picked it up they used it because they thought oh my god we have this assistant coach's you know play script and they got lit up for a decent chunk of the game before they realized, <laughs> hey, this isn't the real thing. See, the thing so, is you got to still use those first couple plays to really sell it. Right. It worked. <laughs> Ultimately, there were no hard feelings because, you know, Mike Leach's team didn't win the game. <laughs> Minor detail, but that's the kind of thing where you you look at it and you go, that's gamesmanship. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a funny story and it's probably the kind of thing that should get a 30 for 30. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that would cause an uproar for an entire week now if it were to happen today. Right. What Was he being nice to the other team? Is that cheating? Yeah. Uh, all in all, whatever you think about it, I just think that beaning Kiermaier is one of the most chicken poop things I've ever seen in baseball. 
And that's 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 that. I, I was excited for the possibility of the Blue Jays getting into the playoffs, an exciting young team, and now now I hope they lose every game. Absolutely terrible. Something else that's absolutely terrible is our concept of time. Our abbreviated edition, I think, has probably gone on for <laughs> for much longer than we thought it was. But uh, we're, we'll be back next week, as I said, and we're, we're going to talk about the Eagles-Cowboys game. We're going to talk about the Eagles' next game against the Chiefs. Hopefully, we'll be talking about the Phillies going to the playoffs. We'll see. But in the meantime, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Philly Frenetics. And of course, our website, phillyfrenetics.com. We have our Cowboys-Eagles quick picks. We'll have our Eagles-Chiefs quick picks coming up as well. John, what's Ben Simmons' favorite cookie? I don't know either, but it's not Oreos, because you know there's no way he's dunking them. I'll talk to you next week. Uh.